Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Come on, good morning, everybody. How you doing today? Everybody good this morning? Come on, why don't you guys give Jesus your best round of joy and worship? Come on. It says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Come on, anybody need some strength this morning? Come on, his joy is my strength. Come on, it's good like medicine, laughter, and joy. Uh, somebody was checking out our church online, uh, a little bit of an, uh, an older, more denominational church uh, last week, and, uh, and, and someone gave me some feedback about it, and they said, seems a lot like summer camp to me. I'm like, oh man, I love summer camp, somebody. Come on, summer camp for Jesus. Come on, can anybody give a little more worship to God? A little more joy to the Lord. I'm okay with summer camp. It's going to be a great day today. Look at somebody and say, you're blessed to be sitting by me today. Look at the person that you ignored and say, you need some Jesus. We are, we're going to jump into five and five. Five and five is going to be an, uh, it's amazing. We do it every year, uh, right at the end of July. And, and one of our, we have some amazing communicators up here that are getting ready. They've prepared, they've prayed, they've prepped. Holy Spirit is working in them and through them. They're each going to preach for five minutes and bring a word to you. And uh, we've worked together and uh, we've prayed together. And, and this is one of the core values of our church. One of our, our church's values is, and our staff core values and our serve core values is give away the keys. Give away the keys. And, and so we, we talk about that as a staff every week. Who are we giving the keys to? Who are we empowering? Who are we raising up? Who are we seeing God's hand on? We want to give away the keys. In the Bible, uh, in the Old Testament, Moses had the Spirit of God on him and the power of God on him. And, uh, and, then, and God said, you can't do it all on your own. And he said, I'm going to take the Holy Spirit that's on you, Moses, and I'm going to put it on these other leaders. And so God took the Spirit that was on him, and he put it on 70 other leaders. Two young leaders got jealous, and they said, hey, stop these other people from prophesying, Moses. Uh, they can't do that. And Moses said this. It was a prophetic uh, fore foreshadowing of the day of Pentecost. Moses said, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all God's people were prophets. Moses was giving us the picture of the, of the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit would come on men and women, servants and leaders, and people would have dreams and prophesy and see visions. He was giving us this declaration. And for me, I've never won our church to be about me. Some people are always like, well, when's, when's he speaking? It's not about me speaking. Or when is this person leading a song? It's not about them leading a song. It's about us as the family uh, anointed by God to do great and mighty works for God. And so uh, they're going to have a five-minute timer. Come on, these guys are empowered today. They, they, are gonna, they have a word from God for you, so open your heart up. Like, we don't just get up here, and, 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 and it is summer camp, but it's with Jesus. Come on, and he shows up. And so it's not just fun and games, it's, it, it is the Word of God as well. And so they're going to have five minutes. Uh, there's going to be a timer behind them, I believe, or on the sidewalls. Ian, is going to be behind them? Do they, they have a timer back here? Are they going to have a timer here anywhere? There's not going to be a timer anywhere here. Y'all are lucky, so they can't shout you down. Five, four. So, 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 so there's going to be a timer. They have five minutes. At the end of five minutes, come on, uh, Ian, what, what's the sound they're going to get? Five minutes. And so they might go a few seconds over, but we're, we're going to be cheering them on. And at the end of their preach, come on, you're going to cheer for them. I want you to give them as much love as possible. Shout them down. Don't cheer for them more than you do me. Don't be louder than you are for me. 
And so we're going to believe God today. Come on, Nathan's bringing the first word to us. Come on, man, give it up for Nathan Tosado. Hey, okay, how's it going? What's going on, guys? My name is Nate Tosado. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I've been uh, serving here at Transformation Church for a little bit. I'm involved with TY, our youth ministry. Shout out to my middle school guys out there. Uh, you might have seen me in the garage with the little kids or running around with a camera or most recently on church news up here on the big screens. But, you know, growing up serving in the Lord's house, I've had the opportunity to connect with a lot of different people and a lot of different age ranges. And one of the biggest things that I hear people struggle with is hearing from God. Say hearing from God. So the topic I'll be focusing on today is how to hear from God. Now, I got three points and only five minutes, so I'm going to go a little fast. So stick with me, guys. Are you guys ready? Here we go. Number one is to read the Word. You see, as Christians, we have this thing called the Bible. And this book is no ordinary book. You see, this book has power. See, this is a powerful book. In Hebrews 4.12, it says that the Word of the Lord is alive and active. So that means when we open up the Word, that means that God can speak to us directly through those words. See, this means... In 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us what to do is right. You see, it's our roadmap in life. I used to think that hearing from God had to be this complicated process, but it's really simple. You see, some of you might have gone your entire life thinking you've never heard from God, but I'm here to tell you today that just a little bit of what God's word tells us in the Bible. So I'm going to be reading this, and if you hear something, I need you to make some noise, because in John 3.16, it says that Jesus so loved, God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son to die for us. In Deuteronomy 31.6, it says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. In Romans 8.37, it says that we're more than conquerors conquerors in Jesus Christ. And then right after that, the next verse, it says, nothing can separate you from the Lord's love. In, in Isaiah 42, uh, 10, it says he's with you. In Galatians 2, 20, it says that we're new creations in Christ Jesus. And in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and hope. See, God's been speaking to us this entire time. It's just a matter of opening up the word. Number two is to be intentional and focus in. You see, if you want to start hearing from the Father, you have to start being intentional with how you listen. You see, sometimes when we can hear God, but we miss it completely because we're not focused. See, personally, this happens a lot in my life uh, with me and my girlfriend. You see, I, I love video games. And if I wasn't at church so much, I'd probably be playing my PlayStation all the time. But you know, my girlfriend will come up to me and try to have these full-on important conversations with me. And I'm sure these ladies can understand and relate to my girlfriend in this scenario where I'll be listening to her, but I won't be focused on a single thing she's been saying. You see, she'll stop me halfway and say, Nate, you're not even hearing me. But in the reality is I'm hearing her. I'm just not hearing her, if that makes sense. So in the Bible, there's this guy named Samuel, and he's a young guy, and God calls to him four times. And on that fourth time, something changes. See, on the first two times, he hears a voice, and he thinks his, his master, Eli, he goes to him, and he's like, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. And Samuel, in 1 Samuel 3, 7, says Samuel did not know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. He thought he was hearing the voice of Eli. He wasn't focused. And the third time, Eli has this realization that God's speaking to him, and he instructs him, Samuel, be more intentional, be more focused when you hear that voice. And on that fourth time, when he calls out to him, he says, Samuel, Samuel, he says, my servant, I'm here, I'm listening. He was intentional that last time. And now, bringing to my last point, number three, is to put yourself in a position to hear. James 4.8 says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. 
See, growing up, my dad would do this thing where he would yell my name uh, when I was growing up, and that was the universal sign to stop what I was doing and get into the presence of my father. And see, this happened all of my life. You see, this happened, you know, when I was a kid, when I was growing up in kindergarten and middle school, it happened in high school. When I got to college, you know, it happened to me last night. My dad still calls me, you see. And what I'm trying to say is that when you put yourself in a position to hear the father, you see, it's clear, his voice is clear. He's, it's free of distraction. It's just me and him in the moment. Are you guys seeing the connection? See, I, I'm here to tell you that our heavenly father is still calling out your name and he's inviting us into our presence to hear his voice and hear his message. The Bible tells us to boldly go into the presence of God in Hebrews 4.16. You know, it's the best place to hear the father's voice. The best place is in his presence. You see, some of the best ways to get in his presence is by getting connected in church. You know, finding a good connect group, finding good friends that can support you through everything. See, I encourage you, I encourage you today to start reading the word, start being intentional, and get into his presence. I'm five seconds off, but let's go. Yes! Good morning, Transformation Church. It's your girl, Christina! In the flesh, in the flesh. Uh, the topic I chose today is forgiveness. And I know that's a tough one. And when I was talking to people, they're like, oh, yikes, sheesh, why'd you choose that? And I think a majority of the time we go out there and we think about a time in our mind where we've been wronged or someone has done something to us and it's been difficult. But how often do we actually think about the blessing of forgiveness? Originally, when I selected this topic, I thought I kind of wanted to go over how to forgive, ways to forgive the five easy steps of forgiveness, but I have five minutes and that's not gonna be enough time. And every time I kept thinking about it, my spirit kept letting me to, no, 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 tell them this morning that you are forgiven. You are forgiven. You have been forgiven. You are forgiven. You will be forgiven because God is the day of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is the one that was, is, and is here to come. You are forgiven. Colossians 2 through 14 summarized, Jesus died on the cross and you were raised to new life. God made you alive with Christ and he forgave us all of our sins. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then Psalms 86.5, the Lord, oh Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. Can I get a shout for that, y'all? God is inexhaustible. His grace is unending. His forgiveness is full and limitless. And not only does he forgive you, he keeps no receipts of your sins, right? Right? God, because God is love. And love is God, right? And love God keeps no record of wrongs. Some of us here have moments in our memory that we keep replaying and tripping us up, like a screenshot of your own life, right? Your phone, a screenshot of the timeline, and you keep going back to it. You go into your phone, you look at it, you zoom in, you think of the times you wish you would have done this, you shouldn't have done that. And I'm here to tell you today that God does not keep a camera roll of your mistakes, that he is not looking back at the things that you have done and saying, mm -mm, can't forgive you today. No, 
and it's time to receive the blessing of forgiveness because he keeps no receipts. He keeps no transactions of any of your past mistakes. And we all have the opportunity to ask for forgiveness regularly and it's given. And I know that can be hard to grasp, trust me, or even accept it because we may not even want to accept that it happened, right? But I'm here to tell you today to let it go. It's time to forgive yourself like the Father has already forgiven you. No matter what you've done, you are worthy of forgiveness. Okay, but how often do we give this blessing to others? The same blessing that the Father has shown us. Because we as believers are asked to spread the good news and we have to be an example of it as well. See, forgiveness is a vertical act, right? It goes God, down to myself, down to others. And we learn this as an early age, right? Think about the cardinal rule, treat others as you wanna be treated, love others the way you want God loves us, or let's take it to one of the most recited prayers in the Bible, the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's something that has to be passed down. And the Bible warns us what can happen when we choose not to forgive. It's in the parable in Matthew 18 of the unforgiving debtor. I got a minute, so I'm gonna keep it quick. A man owned a king, millions of dollars. The king felt pity on him, forgave him with all his debts, so he didn't have to spend his life in prison. That same man went to his servant who owed him only a few thousand dollars, did not give him the same grace for needing his money, threw him in jail. Well, the other servants got mad, went and told the king, and the king was angry, rightfully so, took him, threw him in jail for life till he could pay his sins. Not only was he locked up, he was tortured for life. And I started thinking about it. And I thought, well, not only physically, but mentally locked up, spiritually tortured for the rest of his life. And I'm here to tell you that you're going to be tortured. You don't want to be tortured in your emotions. You don't want to be stunted in your growth, locked up spiritually because you're holding on to something that you need to let go and forgive, right? And oh gosh, I'm out of time. Five seconds to go. <laughs> forgive others and God forgives you and you today can live a new life reborn in Jesus Christ. Good morning, good morning. All right. I'm going to talk fast, listen slow. My name is Daniel, and I get the privilege to speak today on the topic of surrender, which is something that I struggle with a lot, still do. So in October, my wife Ann and I will have been married for eight years. And so before we got married, we had to go through all those super fun premarital questions that you have to ask, you know, whose parents' house are you going to for the holidays? You know, who loads the dishwasher the right way? She does. And so are we dog people, cat people? You can trust me. I'm a dog person. It's okay. And so one of the questions we had to ask that we never really had, you know, really much disagreement on was if we wanted kids. And the answer was always yes. So we get married. Fast forward about a year. And we find out we're expecting. And I asked my wife a question whose answer rocked my world forever. At what hospital do you want to have our baby? To which she replied very, brunt, very abruptly, we're going to have our baby at home, obviously. <laughs> obviously to who? Not me. <laughs> See, I had expectations. 
I had an expectation of a hospital. I had an expectation of doctors, of nurses, of medical treatment and medicine. I had an expectation of that little rollout caught in the corner in hospital food, somebody. Come on, you know what I'm saying? So I had an expectation of safety. So in Proverbs 19, verse 21, it declares, many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Some of us are sitting here today and we're trying to narrate our story through the perspective of what we want. We're telling God how we want our story to go. And if you're taking notes, just jot this down. To walk in the purpose of God, I have to surrender my expectations. My finger's not working. There we go. Now, what I came to realize was that my expectations were not rooted in reality. They were rooted in fear. And because I was afraid, I tried to make her afraid. So I, for the next eight months, I did every bit of terrifying research a human being can do on the most awful things that can happen having a baby at the house. And so many times in life we have obstacles that pop up and we don't know how we're going to see them and we don't know how we're going to be led this way or that way. And so many times we just let fear grab us by the hand and take us on that path and it leads to destruction. Because it was fear was driving a wedge between me and my wife. And I didn't see what I was doing to her faith. So at this point in the story, it's been made, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways surrender to him and he will make your path straight. Which brings us to our next point. To walk in the purpose of God, I have to surrender my fear. So at this point in the story, it's been made very clear to me that regardless of my expectations, we're having our baby at the house. There's already an inflatable pool in my living room, somebody, come on. So... I'm a week away from one of the greatest unknowns that I have ever faced in my entire life. And I'm mad because I'm so scared because I spent the last eight months looking at the most horrific things I can possibly say. So I've already psyched myself out. And as I'm driving home, I'm mad and I'm, I'm yelling at God. Anybody ever been ugly yelling at God before? Because you don't have any control. And I'm mad and I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling. And all of a sudden, I hear the Spirit say, do you trust me? And in that moment, the fear that I thought I was, that was creating my expectations, it wasn't where we were having our baby. It was that I wasn't in control. Which brings me to my last point, is to walk in the purpose of God, I have to surrender my control. It, so your homework for today is to go home and I want you to read Job 11, 13 through 18. And I want you to mull over that all week because there's some cause and effect things that happen in that passage. And it gives you the outcomes. So many times I've always wondered, God, you know, everybody says this and they say that, but what does it actually look like to make that happen? God, what does that look like? You know, they say this, they say that. He gives you those answers in Job. But this is, what, this is what surrender and control look like for me. I pull my truck over the side of the road. I'm ugly crying, snotting. And this was it. God, if you want my wife and my child, they're already yours. No matter what happens, you are God and I am not. And you are good no matter what. My wife gave birth at 41 weeks 
to a healthy baby, no doctors, no drugs, no fear. And I got to bring my baby into the world in a very different way than I had ever expected, simply because I surrendered the little bit of control I thought I had. And real quick, I'm way over, sorry. The most amazing thing was my dad came up to me and he said, how was this experience? I said, it's amazing! <laughs> Lied through my teeth. And then I told him something very dangerous. I said, we're gonna have all our kids like this. What was that first verse? Many are the plans of a man's heart. Whew. That's the story for another time. Thank you guys, I appreciate you. Keep that energy, keep that energy, keep that energy. Good morning. First of all, I'd like to thank our pastors, Jamie and Sandra, for the opportunity to share God's heart with you today. My name is Barbara Mosley, and my topic is identity. Don't let the dirt disqualify you. Take a, a look at the screen here. There's an image there. I want you to shout amen if you can see two eyes and one face. All right, you can do a little bit better than that. I want you to shout amen if you can see two faces with one eye. The truth is there are, no, there are not two faces there. The dark space is placed strategically to make it appear to be something that it is not. The truth is... It is called negative space in photography, and it helps to draw the viewer's eye to the central feature of the image. Another way of looking at it is, it's about your perception, I'm sorry. It's about your perception. It's similar to our lives. The devil likes to take negative space in darkness so that he can disqualify us. He wants us to think that negative spaces is who we are. But scripture says, God formed man from the dust or the dirt of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The devil's job is to use dirt in negative space to disqualify us. He wants to use the dirt of our sins, the dirt of rejections and disappointments, the dirt of our pains and sufferings, the dirt of our past and failures, the dirt of our sorrows and griefs. He wants the dirt to define you, to minimize your identity. God's job is to use dirt to make us dependent. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, his power is made perfect in weakness. When we are weak, he is strong. He is a strong tower and we can run to him and we are safe. Although we were made from dirt, we are a new creation. We have a new identity, but we still have to deal with dirt. The dirt of our sins, the dirt of our pains and sufferings, the dirt of past failures. We still deal with the dirt, but it doesn't disqualify us. Don't buy the enemy's lies. Depend on God. Let's take Superman, for example. How many identities did he have? I can recall two. 
One was a mild-mannered reporter, and the other, of course, was a superhuman with strength and super strength and abilities. But here's something that's amazing. It totally blows my mind how easy it was for him to conceal and disguise his identity with a simple pair of glasses. <laughs> how many of you? It blew your mind too, right? <laughs> He went from being a superpower to a weak reporter with just a pair of glasses. The glasses disguised and changed his perspective, and it changed the perspective of those around him. We're walking in two identities, too. One in which we deal with the dirt, and the other is our new identity. Could it be that our perspectives disguise us from who we really are? Could it be that because we focus on dirt and negative space in our lives, it has concealed our true identity? Could it be that we've allowed the pain of our life to dim our view and cause us to walk in a false identity? How we see ourselves, others see us the same. We do not have to live our lives with a disguise. We desire connection where we can get rid of the disguise. We desire a place where we can take off of our glasses and be our real, true identity. We hunger for a relationship that opens our eyes and empowers and equips us to be better. Ephesians 1, 18 through 19, Paul's prayer and my prayer is that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which he has called us, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, that's us, and his uncomparable great power for us as believers or superpowers. I pray that our eyes will be open we get rid of the disguise. Don't let the dirt disqualify you. Depend on God. Thank you. Good morning, Transformation. What about these awesome speakers bringing the word to us? My name is Dusty Holden, and uh, I have the opportunity to talk to you this morning about running the race. So when I seen this topic pop up, I was like, that's it, that's it. That's the one, that's the one I wanna tackle. How many runners do I have? Ooh, pastor, we, we <laughs> not many. All right, well, I'm gonna see if I could change that. So I'm gonna break it down. In a race, there's basically three stages, okay? The first stage, that's where you're excited, the adrenaline is, we're a little bit nervous, and we're just ready to rock and roll. Then we get to the second stage of the race, and that's where it just becomes more about the strategy. We're, we're carrying out the plan uh, that we know the mission, and we're just, we're tackling it. But then... There's this third stage of the race, and that's where the unknowns start to creep in. Physically, we start to wear down a little bit. Emotionally, we're starting to, to process things that maybe we weren't prepared for. And that's where I want to uh, talk today, okay? So what happens when the first and second stage, 
it doesn't really go the way that we plan, okay? We can have a plan, but then if things start to not go that way, what do we do? How do we handle it? So a couple years ago, I had the opportunity to take a, a team of people and run a Ragnar race. So if you're familiar or unfamiliar with that, it's six people. The race starts in Chattanooga. It roughly takes about 36 hours, around 110-ish miles. Um, and you're tackling this thing, each person's running different legs of the race. So we had one team member in particular who no one was as, as prepared as this fella. He had put in all the work and he, he was the most prepared. But the way that his legs worked out in, in how he ran and the distances that he had to run in the beginning, he had to run two of the longest legs in his first and second stage. So as the, as the day goes on, we get into the overnight hours and we had stopped to uh, try to get some sleep. So it's, it's pretty hard when you're in a van and you're moving uh, to try to get rest, but we were gonna try to get some rest. So we stop and I tell the team, three hours, we're gonna be back in the van. So everybody goes in, we get some rest, we come back. Three hours later, we're all there except for this one fella. He wasn't there. So I go back in, I, I locate him, and he's sleeping. He's, he, he's not even remotely close to being ready to go. And I finally get him up on his feet, and I'm like, hey man, it's time to go. We, we, we're, we're running out of time, we have to get to this next checkpoint. And he tells me, he goes, coach, I can't, I can't go on. My, my body's breaking down physically. I, I, I just can't, I can't do, I can't run another leg. And so it was at that moment where I had to flip the perspective for him and I had to show him, hey, look, you've already ran 15 miles. You only have three left. Your wife, she's waiting in Nashville. Your family's gonna be there. You've trained for this, man. This is the moment you have, you, you can do it. So he goes on, he ends up completing this race. He's coming across the finish line. Tears are streaming down his face. We're so excited for him. And it, it was in that moment where I saw, man, how, how, how important it is that we cling to truth. In James, James uh, chapter one, verse two through four, he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of a various kinds. Various stands out to me because that's telling us you have to be prepared for everything. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So steadfastness it's mentioned two times. I went into Webster's to really dig into it a little bit more. And the meaning of steadfastness says firmly fixed in place, immovable. So there's a lot of battles that we have raging. There's uh, marriages that aren't going the way that we had envisioned them to go. Raising children is the, one of the biggest tasks that we can uh, have in this life. But it's in those moments where we have to think about how God is equipping us to finish strong. It's about the finish. And we, 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 we have to remember too, the devil, he likes to define us by our failures. 
He likes to define us by our shortcomings, but it's God who uses those to refine us. And it's, a, it's, a, it's amazing how he can take those situations and he molds and, and forms us into who he wants us to be, how he wants it to, get, to go and takes the focus off of us. So one of the things that I think of is, uh, I'd heard this quote just uh, a few days ago and it said, God will break us to our bones in order to capture our hearts. Uh, he's in relentless pursuit of us. Um, and what we have to do, and my challenge to you is that we flip it around and that we're a church that can lean in and run hard to Jesus. So I'm gonna ask you one more time. How many runners do I have in the house? <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Let's run after Jesus. Every five and five. Come on, man. Awesome. 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 What a morning. Come on. Did y'all get something out of that? I, I told everybody to pray for me because usually I preach the message all over again for another 50 minutes. I, I take everybody's five and add 10 to it. Um, and uh, I just, I just love if you look at just the, the heartbeat of what, of what God said, I mean, you can look down, I, I just, I pray, I, I intentionally pray, okay, God, what order do you want these in? How do you, how do you want these messages to come across? And what does it, what does it look like? And you can see just the way God ordered it, like hearing God, like I need to get in God's presence and get God around me and and be intentional about getting to the word of God and hear the Lord. And, and then what does that lead to? Like forgiving yourself and forgiving others and extending that forgiveness. And then that surrender. Like, God, I, forget, I let it go and I surrender my life to you, God. You got control. I don't know what tomorrow holds, God, but you, you got it in your hands. And, and God, I can't fix yesterday, but you're there too. Come on, you know that God can redeem yesterday for you? That God's the God of the past, present, and future, and that God, you might not be able to fix tomorrow, and you're holding on to all these regrets, but you can ask God, the God of yesterday, to actually do some stuff in yesterday to help your tomorrow line up with his purpose and will, and that we would surrender all the past, present, and future to God, that we would understand our identity. Come on. Satan cannot disqualify you with the dirt in your life. Come on. He can't. Look at somebody and say, you made it here today. Come on. The devil can't stop you. Devil doesn't want you in church, doesn't want you in God's house, doesn't want you in community, getting the right identity. And I love, Dusty, what you said at the end. None of these stories are done in isolation. None of these stories are, are handled on their own. No, nothing that you heard today was this race that somebody, we're just these lone, even Superman had Lois Lane. Come on, she knew who he was. <laughs> I cut that out of your sermon. I'm sorry. I'm get, I'm, I stole it. <laughs> It was relationship. Come on, Lois knew who he was. And, and, the, and there's a coach and a team running. You, I think you told me when he said, I can't, I, my body's breaking down. You said, all of our bodies are breaking down. You know, we're all going through trials. We're all fighting a battle. We're all, and we can't do it alone. And so I, I just want to pray for you today. And, and maybe whatever these, these words spoke to you, uh, maybe one of them is more powerful or specific. The Holy Spirit has really good aim for you today. And he'll aim these words at right what he needs to aim it at and, and, and deal with you and your heart because he's very specific and personal to you. So I'm just going to pray for you and your families. And uh, I think it was appropriate when Dylan, Pastor Dylan did ministry time. He said, we're going to fight. We're, we're in a battle. He said, we're going to run together. We're going to fight together. We're going to fight for our families and for our children and for our neighbors and for our friends and for our church. We're, we're going to fight. 
There is a cause. And uh, I believe God is fighting for us and confusing the enemies on our behalf. Let me pray for you. Maybe some of you don't know Jesus today. You've never actually surrendered your life to Jesus. Today's the day. Maybe you've been controlling your own life. You've been taking uh, the, the, the strength and control. You're worn out trying to fight your own fight and trying to run your own life. Maybe you've never forgiven yourself or you've never forgiven those others because you've never really surrendered and been forgiven by Jesus. You don't really know what forgiveness looks like because you've never said, you know what, Jesus, I give you my life. The gospel is just this simple, that Jesus went to a cross publicly, took our shame, guilt, sins, mistakes, nailed all that to a tree, was annihilated as a human, paid the price for our pain and our dysfunction and our dirt, paid the whole price, and then rose from the dead, came back to life to give you and I a brand new heart, make us children of God. He didn't die to make us good. He died to make us alive. Some of you, today's your day to come alive. Maybe you're online and you're watching and you know in your heart, you're not alive to God. Today's your day. Would you just open your heart in prayer with me? Father, thank you so much for today. Lord, thank you for your, for your word. Every word that was spoken, you said that it would never return void, that every bit of your word would do the work you've called it to do, that it would produce a life and a harvest in our lives, God. We thank you that the gospel, Lord, is still alive and working today. The good news is still that you paid the price to forgive us and give us life. And Lord, I pray for individuals and families, Lord, whatever fight they need to fight, whoever's feeling like they're about to give up, God, I ask you to strengthen them today. Whoever feels unworthy or dirty or can't forgive themselves, God, I pray that you've already forgiven that, that they would be able to relinquish and let go of regret and shame, God. I say shame off of people today, God. Uh, when the world says shame on you, God, we say shame off of you today, God. We thank you for shame off of people, God. That shame would not be a part of our story because you paid the price for shame today, God. I, I pray, Lord, that guilt would come off of us. That, Jesus, you paid for our guilt. I thank you, Jesus, for what you did on that cross. I pray for surrender. I pray for those that have a... a, a, a an ability to control everything. God, I pray for the release of control. I pray for husbands and wives to release control, for, for uh, teachers and educators and bosses to release control into your hands today, Lord. I pray, Lord, we can't control tomorrow. We get today. We get this breath. We get this moment. God, we, we can control our love and our heart for you. And Lord, when we don't have it, when it grows cold, would you light it back up and set us on fire again for you? Thank you for loving us even when we are unlovable. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Lord, we surrender control today. Lord, I pray for miracles. I pray you'd heal bodies today. Lord, I just felt this in my heart. Lord, as, someone's, as someone forgives today, there'd be healing. So, so often, med medically, it's tied. Stress and, and unforgiveness and bitterness are all tied to ailments and diseases and long-term diseases. I pray today, oh God, you knew what you were doing with, with that, Lord, that we would forgive and there would be a, a releasing and you would actually heal our bodies, God. Heal blood pressure and anxiety and depression today, God. Heal, heal chronic diseases because you've actually healed us and allowed us to relinquish control today pray that someone who's so afraid about tomorrow or what this, what this fall brings. I pray right now, someone dealing, I just heard this, someone dealing with financial ruin right now. God, someone is going, I, I don't even know what this fall is going to bring. I'm dealing with financial ruin. I pray they would be able to put that in your hand right now and you would show up strong on their behalf, oh Lord. Lord, for those watching online, I pray that you would just allow them to relinquish control to you today. And then if you're in this room or you're online and you need a fresh start with God, it just means that you're ready to surrender and let Jesus be the leader and Lord of your life. 
You're ready to actually say, you know what? Take all of it, Jesus. Take my shame, regret, my sins. I give it to you. I believe that you rose from the dead. I believe you're God. I need a fresh start. If that's you, no one looking around just for a second. Would you put your hand up to me? Pastor, I need a fresh start today with God. Hold it up high so I can pray for you. Anybody in this room, I need a fresh start with God today. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you for your courage. I see that. Awesome. If you're online, would you just type fresh start in the chat right there and just let us know. I need a fresh start. We'll get a resource to you and pray for you. I'm going to pray a simple prayer right now. Just a prayer of surrender. If you need to and you didn't put your hand up, put your heart up right now in this prayer. If you're online, you can just put your heart up in this prayer as well. Just pray along with me right now. Father, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I believe that you are God. I believe that you came to this planet and that you lived a perfect, sinless life, that you went to a cross and died a ruthless, shameful death on a tree to take my guilt and my shame and my disease and my worry and my fear. And you took it all on that tree publicly. You nailed it up. And then you gave us your perfect life. You gave us your brand new life. And you rose from the dead to give us a brand new heart to take a heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh so that we could know you, hear you, serve you, and walk with you the rest of our days. Holy Spirit, fill me up. Jesus, you are my God. I believe you rose from the dead. Empower me, Lord, to serve you and your will all of my life. In Jesus' matchless name. Come on, let's give God praise this morning. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.